Welcome to the Sovereign Goddess Podcast, authentic soul sessions with modern medicine women and goddess penures alike to empower and support the Sovereign Goddess as she builds her queendom with grace. We are gathered here to support you as you embark on the journey to honor all facets of the human experience. It's my great pleasure to be with you today. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, Solistic Alchemist and Visionary behind Shamanessa Gadessa. As we embark on this vulnerable and authentic spiritual journey together, we are gathered here to recognize our divinity and radiate our truth. We are here to be the light we wish to see in the world. I invite you to relax, grab a cup of tea, clear the air and say a prayer with some plant medicines, and join us in our sacred ceremony. Deep bow, sister, for embarking on this beautiful journey with us. Now let's get started and allow the miracles to unfold. Hello, it's so good to have you back. I'm back. I'm really excited to be having you on this episode of the Sovereign Goddess podcast. So since we've last been together, life has been crazy for me, but all in a good way. I uh, had surgery in my mouth and that's why I wasn't here last week. And part of what I had done was had the cyst removed from my lip. Which is really interesting because when I looked up Louise Hay, who's like one of the godmothers of, you know, Hay House, and she's the founder and such a huge light a lot in the spiritual community and for a lot of spiritual teachers, but she has this whole thing about healing your life and healing our pain and what's going on and our dis-ease or whatever it is that we have, our illnesses are related to something that's been going on in a spiritually in a spiritual way. So I've had the cyst in my mouth for about 18 months, and I was just like, you know what, it's time to release it. And so I was recently with my mentors, uh, who I met while I was, you know, used to volunteer at the Chopra Center with Deepak Chopra, and we were talking about what this means. And usually cysts, they represent a false growth, and it's all about, like, needing to, what I've seen it is like releasing that old part of me that isn't serving me as I speak and live my truth. And as I kind of mentioned, in la- well, actually, I didn't kind of, but the whole episode, the last episode, was about releasing shame and releasing stigmas and my healing journey and to be speaking up and be very open about how psychedelics have, you know, been the catalyst for s- the person I am today. And for so long, I was in denial Um, because our society loves to keep psychedelics like in denial and they love to kind of devalue these sacred tools and how helpful they can be and especially being you know a yoga teacher and a spiritual teacher and that and that matters just a lot of my teachers have had a very different path and I thought okay well that's what my path needs to look like in order for me to be where I like they are and I you know over time I've learned like no what really begets that respect is through authenticity and self-love and vulnerability and so with me to be able to express my authentic truth and based off that quote from Yogi Bhajan it's creation is ready to serve you when you just be you me being me is about me being honest about my passions for psychedelic research and for the medicines. And while I'm not here to really promote or condone substance use in recreational areas, I am very passionate 
on providing and information and education to ensure that people are having safe experiences um, because the abstinence talk, as it does with sex or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, like it doesn't work. We have to be a little more aware and be wiser and understand like, no, they're still going to happen, but I want to do what I can to provide safety um, to educate, especially safety and understand the healing that may come through if there is a difficult experience that you have. And lately, I'm coming up to the five-year mark of my difficult trip. And as I'm getting closer to it, um, I've really seen how comfortable I am to be more open about it and speak more about it because I've been realizing like how many people could easily have been in my shoes or have been in my shoes in the past and are still working on releasing the shame or healing the stigma. And that's something that I'm really passionate to do. You know, the shaman is the one between two worlds. And I see this, this these two worlds between plant medicines and yoga. And, um, you know, we're in a time where there's more education and more research and a lot more information than there were 50, 100 years ago. You know, there is science that's backing up how, you know, people who are using psychedelics end up being happier. And now, like with MAPS, who is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, they're doing a lot more research for therapeutic settings for MDMA or MOLLY, the purest form, um, to help with couples therapy, to help with PTSD. And to be honest, like that's what really catapulted me and really saved me from suicide, um, from depression. And the problem was I just was over abusing it. So while I haven't touched it in five years, the truth is, is that like, I still believe and I still have such a deep respect for that medicine. So while I was in Envision, I did that festival completely sober. And um, I was able to chat with the people of the Zendo Project but and also people of MAPS. And so the Zendo Project creates a safe space. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that on this episode. But they create safe spaces for those who may be going through a difficult psychedelic experience. Um, it's more of a compassionate care place for um, to help people, you know, really work through the trauma that may arise or to help people feel comfortable and something that I wish I had when I was having my difficult trip. Um, five years ago. So when I met with MAPS, I was like, you know what, I really want to be able to have this conversation before festival season kicks off because I'm I'm not stupid and I'm not oblivious. Like drug use may still happen. It will happen. Um, people are going and people are really searching a lot to try to heal themselves. And, you know, they're doing what they can because they really want to conquer their demons. And Part of the thing and the movement that I'm really working on is, well, you know, I'm definitely an ally to the psychedelic community and the entheogenic community. I also want to be teaching you tools through breath work and yoga to help you get to those altered states um, and not really being relying so much on something like a medicine or a substance to help get you there and realize that you have it within you all along. So today's episode, I, ha- I have the pleasure of having Sarah Gale, who is the director of harm reduction for Zendo and Maps, and she's really here to. She's a she's a transpersonal therapist, so 
she's clinically trained as a therapist to really help. And she's one of the therapists that's helping with the MDMA research that they're trying to get approved by 2021 to use MDMA in therapy session in therapy settings and I'm really excited about that because I think we're really on the wave here of people healing on a deeper level and that in itself is extremely exciting. And so I wanted to, you know, help be a bridge between the yoga community and the conscious conscious party community, I guess is the best way to say it, Um, but a lot of like my Burning Man community, and to really understand that if you're doing these substances, like there are risks to take, and I don't want to act like, oh, everything's all perfect and fun and stuff like that, because I've had multiple um, instances where I've had difficult journeys through cannabis, through psilocybin, through MDMA, and through LSD. So I'm here to be transparent for you because part of me reclaiming my sovereignty is to choose how I see my experience and how my journey is my journey. And there's no one, I'm not allowing anyone outside of me to tell me what I've done up until this point has been quote unquote wrong or bad because all of it has been divinely guided. I'm in this moment right now. You're in this moment right now. And... I want to be a yoga teacher that welcomes in anyone that wants to come in and has whatever, you know, whatever they're going through, I want to support you. And I want you to know you're not alone, but I do want to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're safe and that you're not harming yourself or others. So that's why, to me, I really wanted to have this conversation before we really kick off festival season and... You know, people are really um, diving in right now because there is a lot of change going on. A lot of transformation is happening right now. And when we heal ourselves, we're healing literally everyone around us because we're all interconnected. And so we talk a lot about the rise of the feminine, but we have to understand that when we were in our mother's womb, we were in darkness (laughs) for nine months. And so sometimes as we go through our own rebirths, we have to go through these periods of dark times. And a lot of people like to call it the dark night of the soul or an ego death or all these things. But we have to understand that difficult psychedelic experiences may happen, especially if we're not being intentional and we're not in ceremonial or therapeutic settings um, using these medicines. And that's what happened with me when I had my difficult LSD experience. I did it out of spite. I was pissed off. I got in a fight with my friend, and I just ate it. (laughs) And so I just went down the wormhole, and I got the repercussions and left me with a three-year sabbatical, getting struck by lightning, experiencing psychosis, paranoia, PTSD, a lot of mental illness. But I know now that I had to go through that so I can help support and offer wisdom and be kind of like the sage to support those who may be going through that journey. So I'm finally at that point where I've released the shame and released that pain and I've made peace with my past, which is so important for us. And that's why I really wanted to have this conversation to help you understand that there may be times where we need to accept our own darkness and our own shadows and we have to allow ourselves to be able to do that in order to recognize our light. And that's where the real healing happens. And with that, we have to just really be our truth and be our light and 
do what we can to be healthy. Again, I'm not here to condone recreational use um, or really say, like, I'm promoting it. I do believe that these uh, medicines have deep ceremonial, um, you know, effects, and they really help, especially through ceremony or through therapeutic settings. And that's something that I really want to bring up because... I don't, again, I'm not here to carry the shame around psychedelics anymore. And it was very difficult for me for a long time. I was in a lot of denial. And my people that loved me the most could see right through me because they knew. They've seen how much I've grown when I couldn't see how much I grew. And so now I want to be a conduit and keep the conversation going, educate the masses while I can, and be honest because we are here to be transparent. We are here to be authentic and real and vulnerable. And that's how we allow ourselves to connect with one another. So I'm really excited again to have Sarah here to bring more of a professional aspect and a a professional conversation about these uh, medicines and what they're seeing in clinical studies of what's happening. And also to promote education and safety because we have a responsibility to do. And this is part of my dharma. This is who I am. And yeah, it's scary going against (laughs) a lot of what society tells you, but I've really allowed myself to be focused and be driven more by faith and not so much by sight. And I'm allowing whatever arises to, and I'm honoring it and loving it. And the fact that, you know, it's been very clear and to, for me to step out of the psychedelic closet and to speak my truth and to share what really lights me up. This is why I'm here. And this is what this conversation is here to serve. So I invite you to really allow yourself to be open, to be present and to really honor whatever is arising for you and to really educate yourself because we can't be bashing something we have no idea what what to what the experience is like and that's something I've learned since being a raver for like the past like eight years and it's something that you know I will still continue to that will live on um, in my life you can't bash what you don't understand So I'm here to help bring understanding and education about psychedelics and to be honest and truthful. And may this conversation serve you in any way. And may this is intended to bring light. And we're here to just really talk about the importance of creating a sacred container um, and to really understand like what to do if you find someone that is having a difficult psychedelic experience around you because we are in this together. These are your brothers and sisters, and we're here to help one another heal and bring ourselves back into love. So I hope you enjoy this episode and feel free to leave a comment or a review on here on iTunes if, uh, if you are enjoying the conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Sovereign Goddess podcast conversations with medicine women and goddesspreneurs alike, inspiring you to build your queendom with grace. I'm your host, Sabrina Riccio, and I'm so thrilled to have this conversation today with Sarah Gale, who is the director of harm reduction at the Zendo Project, and it's an organization that's very near and dear to my heart. And I'm really excited to be sharing this conversation with you all to really help shift the paradigm about how we talk about psychedelics, how we talk about our experiences that we have, and also talking a lot about healing our traumas. 
with grace and understanding that whatever is arising is coming up for us to heal. So a little bit about Sarah here. She received her master's degree in transpersonal counseling, psychology, and Naropa University, and she began working with MAPS. And if you don't know what MAPS is, MAPS is the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies, and she started working with them back in 2012, coordinating psychedelic harm reduction services at festivals and events worldwide with the Zendo Project. Sarah was an intern therapist for a recently completed MAPS Phase II clinical trial of the MDMA-assisted psychotherapy for PTSD in Boulder, Colorado, which is something I'm so excited about. She maintains a private practice as a psychotherapist specializing in trauma and non-ordinary states of consciousness. She believes that developing a comprehensive understanding of psychedelic medicines through research and education is essential for the health and well-being of individuals, communities, and the planet, and I couldn't agree more. That's why I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, so I first, um, I wanted to say I first, actually, I think like I saw you speak um, one time at Lightning in a Bottle in 2014 and I think that was the first time you guys really did the Zendo project there and I remember I went um, and I went with like my whole camp and we're like oh my god we got to go to Zendo and like see what the conversation and the sitch is all about and it was like right before the festival started and I know with me it gave me a piece of clarity because um, years before that about two years before that I had a difficult LSD experience at a festival and then a year before that, I had a difficult psilocybin experience in Thailand. So when I remember, I, I think I was like gazing in your eyes. I was just like about to cry. I was just like, thank you. <laughs> so to have you here, it means a lot. And um, I'm really excited. And I really wanted to have this conversation because we are kicking off festival season right now. And um, I just, I, I, after going to Envision, last month, I was like, I, there, this needs to be shared and we need to be proactive and to really offer the medicine and the education to help keep, keep people safe. So with that being said, I'd love for you to kind of share your story a little bit and as, and how, as to how you got to become this beautiful director of harm reduction. Yeah, great. So, um, so yeah, just a little bit about the Zendo project. We provide a safe space for people who are having challenging psychedelic experiences at festivals. And we also provide training and education for people to learn how to work with difficult experiences. So there's kind of two branches of the Zendo, one being primarily education and outreach and the other being direct service. And I got into this work in 2012, and that was the year that the Zendo Project was officially born at Burning Man. And MAPS, the organization that is kind of the mothership of the Zendo Project, um, started in 1986. Uh, the founder is Rick Doblin, and MAPS does research into the therapeutic uh, benefits of certain psychedelics and marijuana. So um, a little bit about how I got on this path. So as a young one, as a teenager, I had had a lot of a history of a lot of trauma in my childhood. I um, also had a history of a lot of drug addiction in my childhood. So my father um, was an addict, was a heroin addict when I was young. And my father and my mother has um, been an alcoholic. And there's a history, a generational history of that in my family. 
which I'm sure many people can relate to, right? We all have um, these stories of our childhoods, no matter how sheltered um, we may have grown up, we all have experiences as children just by virtue of being born into this world in the current state that it is in, in right now and um, all of the, the trauma that exists in this world. So uh, as a young one growing up, I struggled a lot with my own personal anxiety, depression, and uh, also drug use that was less than conscious and less than aware. And um, beginning in my teens, I also simultaneously discovered other spiritual practices such as yoga and meditation. And when I was initially using psychedelics as um, in my teen years, it was really within the framework of festival culture. So raves, festivals with my friends at parties. I was not using um, the awareness and the consciousness of these are intentional sacred medicines and I am using this for my personal healing. Um, but I really believe that in a society, in a culture like ours that does not have uh, intentional rites of passage for young adults and ways for us to connect with ourselves, with nature, with the divine, um, that young ones often go to psychedelics uh, and substances as an attempt to initiate an initiation. So even if the conscious thoughts are, I'm trying to just explore or rebel or um, experience some sort of reality that is not this current crappy experience of being a teenager. <laughs> and I think that that pathway and what I have seen within the festival community over time is that even though that might be the gateway in to, uh, to get away from oneself and get out of um, our issues and troubles that are arising, I see that it's, it's a common experience for people to, through the use of psychedelics, be opened up to greater perceptions, greater awarenesses, uh, including mental, physical, and spiritual awareness and connection. Uh, because these medicines expand our consciousness and our awareness into realms that were per uh, previously imperceptible. So uh, I began studying, I, I went to undergrad at the University of Hawaii and began studying psychology there and quickly changed my major after about a year because I was not experiencing the ki kind of holistic psychology that I knew in my heart was somewhere out there. It was very by the book and very um, just didn't fit, just didn't resonate with some part of my spirit. So I dropped that and I went and studied environmental science and I was going into a field of conservation. And as I was doing that, I started to really notice how the environmental crisis was really an environmental crisis, <laughs> a crisis of the mind. <laughs> And so I thought, okay, um, my work is taking me in this direction to work with individuals and helping them reconnect with themselves and reconnect with nature and starting to formulate the belief when I was in undergrad of, um, okay, this is, this is where the wound is. The wound is within each of us and on our relationship to source, our relationship to nature, uh, to God, whatever you name it. And so um, when I, I, was, I was teaching environmental education and noticed that the experiences that people were having 
in nature were these opening experiences. And I wasn't going at it from the therapeutic perspective in the beginning. I was working more from an educational perspective, but was seeing a lot of changes happen within young adults, adolescents that I worked with. And um, it was also my experience around this time that I, re I myself really started to reconnect with nature and, and find healing there. So I switched gears and I went to graduate school for transpersonal counseling psychology uh, with a focus in wilderness therapy and helping people reconnect using nature as a catalyst for that reconnection. So um, in, during that time studying transpersonal psychology, I sort of rediscovered psychedelics in a different form, which, were, which was MAPS and which was this whole world of psychedelic therapy that I hadn't been informed of because nobody tells us about that in college, even of though course. a lot of the roots <laughs> of uh, neuroscience and a lot of the roots of transpersonal psychology um, are, are in the psychedelic movement in the 60s and, and really came out of that in the West. So. I went to a uh, conference where I saw Rick Doblin speaking about MDMA-assisted therapy, and this whole world opened up to me, and um, I was invited to Burning Man in 2012 to work with the Zendo Project from a mutual friend who also works at MAPS, and I went in that. That was actually my first experience at Burning Man, which was a very different experience than the festivals I've been used to, Bonnaroo, um, rave culture. And so it was that experience at Burning Man that was hugely healing and impactful for me. And since then, uh, I started working with the Zendo Project then and over the years for the next few years was the training and education coordinator. And over the last six months, I've uh, stepped into the director position at the organization. So that's a little bit about how I got to be doing what I'm doing now. And um, it simultaneously happened with the Zendo that I also got started using, um, doing the work with MDMA for PTSD. Which I think is so powerful. I know for me, um, I've had experiences with a lot of vets that are so sick right now with the PTSD. And I'm a firm believer that because our vets are sick, it's a huge part why our nation is sick. And they are the ones that are fighting for us. They are the ones that are putting their lives on the line for us and for our freedom right now. And right now they're not free. They're trapped in their own minds. And so I'm just so grateful for the work you guys are doing. And it's a huge, I'm such an advocate for it. And it's work that I know down the line I'm being called to do. Um, but yeah, I really wanted to talk about that environmental crisis on the mind. Because when I read that, I was just like, Oh, so good. Because that's what I experienced when I had my LSD experience that was very challenging for me at a festival was that like I felt Mother Gaia crying and I can hear her and being like, you know, there's just trash all over the floor and there's a lot of disrespect. And to me, it was just like the trash in my own mind of my own baggage that I've eventually had to break down and clear and heal. Um, so even with everything that's going on right now, it's like how, like we're connecting more to our souls by working. I think there's, there is an uprising of psychedelics right now, but luckily with um, education and the work that you guys are doing, there is more of a conscious movement 
today than there were back in the 60s because you know I've read a lot of the books on psychedelics during my my journey of working on healing myself to try to integrate my difficult LSD experience that I was going through because there was a lot of people my family couldn't understand what I was going through because none of them have been like psychonauts and I was just like there wasn't the community around me to help me really understand and process and go through what I was going through. So um, I really wanted to talk about like, as we work on healing the trauma within ourselves, how, you know, the inner is creating the outer. And so um, I don't know, how has your experience been helping people, you know, that have either had difficult trips through the Zendo and having people come in or, seeing people as clients that are coming into you and seeing how they are seeing the world as a friendlier place after being able to really integrate and seeing that there is possibility, you know, for us to create this shift in this paradigm of the world. And now we're seeing these movements and stuff. How has your experience been with people who have had experiences either difficult or not and then being able to see the steps that they've needed to take to really be a conduit for deep change in the world yeah great question um so what i've seen is and what we often see in the psychedelic experience is the macro and the micro Mm -hmm. the fractal nature of reality so that we're all connected and as we embark upon our own healing journey clearing out our trash Um, and really noticing, okay, this is where the work begins. I can't go and try to help the world or help others if I haven't worked on myself first, right? Right. So um, so my my personal experience of that really stepping into um, healership and being of service was is a consistent practice of always seeing um, how my work is directly impacting the work of others. And the Zendo is really a lot about that, too. One of the things that we tell our sitters that work with us is that one of the best ways that they can do this work and one of the most key important pieces is that they're addressing their own personal work um, and working through their own shadow and incorporating their shadow and integrating the parts of themselves that have become disconnected. So when we experience trauma, and parts of ourselves become disconnected, fragmented, and stop communicating with each other. So there's a field of psychology called internal family systems, which is this idea that we all have these different parts. And we even use that in our language when we talk to each other. We say, oh, there's this part of me that wants this, but part of me wants that. And, um, and so I think that that's already a lexicon that we use. But in reality, from the archetypal uh, psychological perspective, we have these multiple parts within ourselves. And so um, psychedelics, as well as other practices, can get us in touch with those parts of ourselves, such as the inner child or or the inner critic, and get to learn how our upbringing and our childhood set the stage for programming within our lives that we then operate from, even though it's no longer serving us, that is keeping us out of touch with our higher self and our intuition and our inner healer, right? This inner healer that we all have, that is um, our internal guidance system. And so what I've seen is that within the right context, within the right set and setting, such as in a therapeutic environment or in a, uh, 
a ceremonial environment, say with medicines like ayahuasca, with peyote, these medicines that have been used for thousands of years, is there is an understanding that these medicines are for healing. And there's an understanding that in order to benefit from them, you have to have a container. So throughout history in different cultures, we've had that creator, uh, a creator container created by the healer, by the shaman who was in relationship with that plant spirit. And um, in the West, we're seeing within psychedelic therapy, we're seeing that create a uh, container, that created container that is happening with the therapist within the therapeutic alliance. And so in a recreational environment um, where we maybe don't have that container that's been created, my belief is that we need to create those for ourselves because the reality is people have used substances throughout history timelessly uh, for as long back as we can see and that they're going to continue to use substances and continue to find other ways of accessing altered state, non-ordinary state experiences. Because through those non-ordinary state experiences, whether it's meditation, dance, yoga, prayer, um, we receive perspective on our lives that we normally can't get in this current state. So psychedelics are just one tool, just one technology, but there are risks if we use them in without the right set and setting, without the right intentions. And so what we see is that challenging experiences are par for the course for psychedelics. And um, as they've been used throughout history, it's been expected that the challenges are going to come up because that's part of the healing process is to reveal those parts of ourselves to ourselves. In a culture where psychedelics from the beginning were sort of looked at as, okay, this is a way to play and have fun and also expand. There was a lot of awareness around that in the 60s, but I think that there was still from, so I wasn't there as far as I know. <laughs> I, um, I probably was really. But, um, from what, what I understand in discussions with a lot of elders within the psychedelic community is um, bad trips were something that often were these things to avoid, right? These things that to avoid at all costs that you didn't want to have it and that it was a sign that you were doing something wrong rather than an awareness of these are potentially healing substances. So how can we understand and create the container for that difficult experience to arise? So what we see in the Zendo is that the material might be coming up, the psychological, emotional, traumatic material, memories might be arising for the person. And that can be difficult in and of itself um, or is difficult in and of itself. But then if you had an at if you have the added layer of a society that doesn't understand psychedelics or stigmatizes them or thinks that, okay, this, this is bad to be having this experience, then it adds a whole other layer of difficulty. So our job isn't to create a situation where there's no difficulty. Our, our work in the Zendo is creating that container so that the person can do their work, go inside, create the safe space for them to be able to do that. Because I think the biggest thing that we really need to shift first is the, our language with those difficult experiences because everyone's like, oh, it's such a bad trip. Of course, because that's the way that our society has loved to glamorize the challenging parts. And we have to, I think that first thing is understanding the difference between bad and difficult because there isn't a bad trip. What it is, it's a difficult thing because you are being faced with 
the things that you do need to heal. And a lot of our society, well, now we're slowly waking up, but up until recently, people were just like repressing all of their things. It was a lot of that, especially men, you know, it was like, oh, don't show your emotions or man up and all these things. And I know that Zendo is a primarily women-ran organization. It just happens to be that this organization came through in around 2012, where we have this shift of like the Aquarian age, which is more about compassion and understanding and unity. And it is also kind of the revolutionary too. And so what we're doing is we're really healing the wounds from the past. And we're doing, I know with me, with my experiences with psychedelics, I've done deep ancestral healing from it. And I know I've worked, I've restructured my DNA and helped heal myself from patterns from my ancestors so that I can go forth and clear that karma to reach that state of embodiment. Because like in Kundalini Yoga, we talk about that there's seven layers of karma that we have to face through. And it's our environment, our past lives, our parent, our both of our parents, the karma from being carried in the womb, um, our uh, the planetary influence of the day that we were born, and also our upbringing. And so we have all of those layers of karma. And I know I did like a three-year sabbatical after my difficult LSD trip, where I like completely stepped away. And I was like, okay, I'm going to heal myself because I know I can. I know if I take the time and allow myself to dive in deep, face all of my demons, and some were really dark and really scary, took me getting struck by lightning to be like, eh, reset, like, let's reevaluate. Um, but you know what, like, it was really hard. I there was a lot of time I carried a lot of shame, because I had a difficult psychedelic experience. And I and it growing up in a household or society that's like, ooh, psychedelics are bad. There was so much shame that carried through, even though I had so much growth and self awareness from that difficult experience. And then being even a, a yoga teacher, there's a lot of yogis that are anti-psychedelics because it's all about the purity. And so I was like trying to meet this mold of what a spiritual teacher looks like. And I found myself beating myself up more. And so it wasn't until really envisioned that I was like, you know what, it's time for me to step into my truth and start speaking up and talking about psychedelics in a way that, again, well, as you were saying, there's, we can't be having the abstinence talk about it. I'd rather see people having safe experiences than being silent because I can't remain silent anymore. Mm -hmm. And I see myself as this conduit between the two worlds, like the shaman and between the two worlds of like the psychedelic and the yogis, you know, and um, I did Burning Man 100% sober. I almost did no sugar this past year. And that was an opportunity for me to like really see that and just see where people are healing. And then I ended up psychedelic first dating someone in my camp for eight hours. And so to me, that was like a full circle moment because I've been in that, in that position before and I've been where they've been. So it's like coming from that space of compassion. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the importance of like sitting with someone who may be going through a difficult experience because I think right now we're going through a lot of shifting and healing and especially in our in our nation and in our society but i think on a global scale we're doing a lot of deep healing right now and if people are exploring again i want to be able to create and have this conversation to have safety be the top priority but i want to talk about the importance of sitting and allowing someone to have their experience rather than trying to put your 
belief on what they need and trying to fix them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the practices that we use in the Zendo and the sort of principles and protocol that we practice, we are a lot about getting that information out to the public. We kind of joke that eventually our goal is just to be obsolete because this is just what is done. This is just common practice. So a lot of what we're teaching in the Zendo is less about putting things, uh, adding things. So to to the sitters who are with us, it's not about necessarily adding more, but removing obstacles. Because when we're young, when we're babies, we have an intuitive sense. And you can see this in little children. They have an intuitive compassion and an ability to be with people when they're struggling. So little kids, you'll see, will come up to someone who's having a hard time And they will often have this just very clear energy of love. And they may not know and understand what's going on with that person, but there's a sense of connection and a sense of wanting to help. So humans intrinsically have that desire and that nature to help. And we are schooled out of that. We are taught out of that for the reasons that you were describing earlier, because um, of this culture of repressing our emotions. And so children don't get to see often their parents being comfortable learning how to get in touch with their emotions and process them. So we are taught that this is the most important thing, that what's between, um, what's between our head here is the most important thing. And we lose connection from that heart and from that emotion. And that's a lot of what the, the feminine shift right now in the, in the rise of the goddess and rise of the feminine is coming back to the heart, coming back to the body and integrating. A lot of that also is the darkness, embracing the darkness, embracing the shadow, that it's not just all up here in cosmic connection to divine source, but it's cosmic connection to our mother, to the earth, to the darkness and the shadow and seeing the richness and the, um, the gifts that are held there within that dark womb space. So there's been, with the patriarchal system, um, over the centuries, there's been this suppression of the feminine, suppression of uh, the shamanic of um, sorcery, which has been deemed sorcery, right? And with Christianity. And so I see them as kind of the same, the suppression of the emotions and the suppression of the feminine, including uh, the suppression of spirituality. Um, so we've kind of replaced that with religion, <laughs> but true, you know, true feminine, and it's not about men, women, but true feminine connection with the goddess. Um, and I see that that's a lot of what we're creating in the Zendo is that held space, that nurturing space for people to go through their process for it to be, um, for it to be okay. So one of our principles that we use, we have these four principles and one is difficult is not the same as bad. So as you were speaking, It's um, inviting in the opportunity and the awareness that difficult experiences can be our richest. Our dark nights of the soul are our richest, most profound transformational times. So we have these big peak experiences in our lives, right? Which are these connected, God-like experiences. Um, And we also have these these very so-called dark shadow experiences where we're really in our existential dark night of the soul. But both of those have gifts to bring us, right? So it is this principle of difficult is not the same as bad is really connecting in with helping people remember. So if it's in the process and they come into the space, it's 
helping them to, first of all, it's accepting where they are and accepting their process ourselves. And the more that we've accepted our own shadow and our own darkness, the more that we're going to be able to accept and hold space for them. Because if you haven't, you don't have to experience, have experienced everything that someone else has experienced, right? So they're coming with their own trauma and they're coming with their own wounds, but it is about creating the space by doing our own work to then say, okay, if I'm comfortable being with myself and authentic with myself around my shadow, then I can then do that when it comes up for somebody else. One thing that we do is we remind people when they're in the space of, um, you know, can we ask questions sometimes? Can you think of a time in your life where it was a challenging experience for you, where you came out the other side learning a lot about that, about yourself because of that experience. And that can help people connect with that. Um, the other aspect here is fear. So we have this culture of fear around these expressions. And, and it's understandable because these things can get very intense, right? So when people are having a, a challenging psychedelic experience, that can look everywhere from someone coming in and just saying, I'm kind of having a hard time, to someone in a full-blown place where they're maybe um, running around, causing disruption, um, but they're, in, they're embodying these archetypes, often the archetypes that have been suppressed. So in a, in a system, whether it's a family system um, or a community system or a global system, the things that we've suppressed come out through certain people who are more sensitive and who are more aware. And a lot of that is spoken about when we look at shamanism, that shamans are these people that are more sensitive, more aware, and more connected. And that can be very painful. It can be a lot to be carrying that and feeling the things that other people aren't accessing and allowing themselves to feel. So what we've found is that in creating that safe space for people to go through their experience, that we are, um, we are actually directly affecting the other systems, the family, community, the global systems, because as one person heals, as one individual heals, then that affects, as you know, all of us. Um, so yeah, that principle is very key and very foundational to the work that we do. And um, the other principle I kind of named in there, which was creating a safe space. And that means actual a physical space. It means ourself as the sitter being that safe space. So being able to be in that place of non-judgment, compassion, understanding. Um, another principle that we use is sitting and not guiding. So we're not the guide. Uh, we're not the shaman. We are helping them connect with their inner guide, with their inner healer. And this is a lot like how you spoke earlier of not bringing your own things so much to the table and making it about you. And this goes for any healing practice that you're in. So whether you're sitting or you're a therapist or a healer of, of any kind, it's about getting out of your own way. And a lot of this is coming back to beginner's mind of being able to come into the present moment. So the name Zendo is actually very fitting and it's kind of evolved and we become aware over the years, you know, when you, when you create something, sometimes you create a, a business or um, an organization and then it unfolds to you why you created that thing, right? So you may have no idea in the beginning what's really going on, but we really noticed that Zendo is the perfect name for what we do because it's a practice in being present, of continuing to come back to presence. And when you work in um, crisis work or emergency work, you, you, when you talk to people who work in emergency rooms or who are crisis intervention workers, 
um, they, there is often a love for the work because it brings people into present moment. It brings people right there and everything else falls away. And so for the sitters, that's often what's happening with them. And then that is allowing and creating the space for that to happen for the, the guest that they're sitting with so that they can come into the, the present moment and work on accepting themselves right where they are. And that relates to the, this other principle that we use, which is um, talking through and not down. Um, <laughs> they are, you're not going to talk them down. Um, and I think that whole mentality of talking people down is a lot of what's causing the issue and actually creates more resistance in the system because the people, that's the opposite of acceptance, right? You need to Absolutely. come down. You need to come down. You're not okay where you are. So a lot of it is really just coming to the space of you are okay where you are and we accept you. And even if the behavior is getting out of hand and even if there needs to be boundaries set around behavior, when people get up in people's spaces or there is potential aggression towards self or others, there is going to be boundary setting. So we set gentle boundaries with people. We, um, we have to do that often because when we're in a cosmic non-ego identified state, there's that place of no boundaries of permeability of everything's okay. Everything's open. And um, so those are the places where we have to set those boundaries for people because given the current culture that we're in um, those, those places are not understood. And then if they're not held, if the container's not held, then that person can end up being arrested or, or hospitalized. And so one of the main missions of the Zendo is to keep people um, out of, you know, unnecessary arrest and hospitalization. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing when you're talking about like, don't talk down and just sit, because that was my experience. I remember I was like trying to find friends and they were like, shut up. She's tripping on acid. And I was like, oh my God, that's the last thing I want to be hearing right now when I'm going through this like rough thing. And then I had a saving grace. One of my friends, who just sat with me for like two hours and just sat there and that was all I needed. Cause I think when you're in that experience from my own experience, having someone just sitting there with you, it reminds you that you're not alone and that you're being seen. And I think that's what so much of us need when we're in those really challenging experiences because we are opening up portals uh, that we've been repressing for so long. And I know like with my experience there's a lot of like inner child stuff that I held down cause I had years of depression since like I was three years old really. And then all of that stuff came up to the surface for me to heal. Mind you, while I was on this difficult trip, I was barefoot. So I'm like completely connected to Gaia and like hearing all of that pure connection. But uh, I think like that's, that's why I'm really so grateful that we have the Zendo now and that, you know, there is a deeper awareness. And if people are, again, if they are going to experiment, like there is more of an understanding of who MAPS is and what you guys are doing. And I know a lot with my friends too, they're, they're checking in to see like, okay, like here's dance safe. And they're checking to see, you know, if like these medicines, if these medicines are pure or not, or what's in them, because that's a lot of the other thing too, is a lot of people don't know what they're taking. So then they'll go through these like really challenging things because they think they're taking one thing and then it ends up not being a thing. But um, one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you and come up because I even talking down, I think we need to focus that in the conscious community 
um, as well. Um, I know like, well, we're burners. So it's like as a Burning Man community, we are open to more of that. But there are a lot of other conscious communities like I was talking about earlier that are more yoga based or more about, you know, a lot of these people have had addiction in the past. So they've decided to become sober, which is great. But there's still this like pool of psychonauts who are going and they're going to continue to experiment, but they still want to be included in these groups. And so a lot of what I'm trying to, or what I'm working on and what I'm hearing my call to do is to bring this conversation because what I've experienced too is that I had a Kundalini awakening from my psychedelic experience. And what happens is if you have this Kundalini awakening and all of a sudden that Kundalini energy rises and once it starts to hit your glandular system and hits the pituitary and the pineal gland, all of the chemicals are gonna go out to your third eye. And if you have this repressed pain body, that's how you're going to see the world. So I just wanted to talk a little bit more about um, what you guys are doing with more of the therapeutic settings to help people to help talk through it. Because I, I know we've been talking about sitting and, you know, it's nice to be able to have someone, but I just want to be a little more mindful about the work that you are doing on more of a bigger scale to help bringing these psychedelics into more of a um, therapeutic setting because I do believe that you know people are using them recreationally and there are massive growths I mean just the rise of ayahuasca for instance that's been coming up like people are traveling because they're like this is the time for me to heal I can't allow myself to be like playing small and having these demons face me and so now you're going to like a completely different market of people that may never even think about doing these on an recreational level and now you're bringing them more towards your MDMA assisted, your psilocybin, um, your marijuana and your LSD. So I just wanted you to talk a little bit more about that so we can educate the people more about how we're doing these and not so much of just a recreational setting, but also more of a therapeutic setting. Yeah, totally. So um, it's been really interesting to be part of both of these branches of MAPS, to be working within the psychedelic harm reduction and recreational settings and to be working in the clinical environment. So in those recreational settings, um, people are often, not always, but people are often coming in, um, as I was speaking earlier, without that direct, maybe conscious intention of I'm coming here to heal. At transformational festivals, we see that a little bit differently. We see at Burning Man and Envision and these other events that people are becoming much more aware and conscious. And to me, it's a lot about connecting with the younger generations, connecting with you know uh, young teenagers, early 20s, who are like us, just starting to experiment with these medicines when they are younger. So it's really important to provide that education for them around the actual risks as well as um, you know, when they are having these challenging experiences, uh, um, how to assist themselves and others, and also how to create the container so that those challenging experiences can be held in a different way. So we want to provide education for people on really how to um, prepare as well, because they're going to use these substances. So how can you create the right environment for oneself? Um, so we give in our trainings and our deeper trainings, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later on, um, we, we give that support as well. And so we've been able to see over 2,000 guests since 2012. That's a lot of people. So there's a, a wonderful 
thing that happens in getting to work with harm reduction, because even though we're not providing therapy, we are a therapeutic environment. It is a healing environment. Trauma comes up. We work with people as they're processing things. Like you said, it's, it's multi-layered and there's so many variables because people think that they took one thing. It could be totally something else. And we're always mindful of that. And we work closely with medical um, and people are always being medically monitored to make sure that there isn't um, a drug interaction or something based on something that they took that wasn't pure. So um, we're very adamant about, you know, we're not promoting or condoning substance use within the recreational environment, but we are trying to make it more safe. So it's just like the analogy, like we don't promote car crashes, but we're going to promote seatbelt use. Right. So people are going to drive Thank you for that analogy. That is perfect. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, in the therapeutic environment, in terms of the clinical setting, um, it really is, we're creating that intention. Someone's coming, they, they're saying, I have this thing I'm wanting to heal. It's been treatment resistant. I've been struggling with this for my whole life, for many years. Nothing has helped. We've tried many different forms of therapy. And I really, people come to us from that place of desperation. Of, I've tried everything. And the people that we see are veterans. They're people with childhood trauma, sexual abuse, physical, emotional abuse. So they're coming from all different um, experiences. And... Um, and so there is this sort of, um, this built-in container that's created within the therapeutic environment. And a lot of the tools and protocol that we use in the clinical work is transferred over to the harm reduction work. So um, what, what we're working with in the clinical work is client-centered. So this is very much related to these principles of sitting and not guiding. The client is with the help of the of the mdma in their system we are following wherever they go so uh, it, it's an eight-hour session and it looks often very different than a, a regular talk therapy session in that people spend time intermittently inward um, they can wear an eye mask and have music and so they spend time going inside and material coming up for them and really having these realizations and these awarenesses. And then that time is also shared with the therapist. So they're kind of going in and out of an internal and an external dialogue experience. So what we, what we're finding right now with the MDMA is, um, you know, we just finished phase two and we're getting started to working on phase three so in the, this coming year. And uh, with the ultimate goal to have this particular substance be legalized for therapeutic use within a therapeutic context by 2021. Um, and so we get the opportunity to have multiple sessions with someone in a controlled variable environment, whereas at recreational settings, there's so many different variables that are contributing internal as well as external. So um, the concept of the inner healer and, the, and combined with the medicine working with that inner healer is what we're looking at in the clinical setting and working with. And so it's client-centered, client-directed, um, but then when people get stuck, we provide guidance and help them move through whatever might be coming up, whatever might be stuck. And so it looks like long periods of silence. It looks like connecting with dialogue. Um, sometimes it looks like doing some somatic trauma work. So for people who are listening, I think somatic trauma work and things like holotropic breath work 
somatic work and EMDR are other ways that you can get to these places of healing um, that are non-psychedelically induced. Mm -hmm. So um, I really recommend those, those modalities of healing too. And our therapists that work on the studies often have backgrounds in somatic trauma therapy. And this is what we notice with psychedelics is that often the trauma gets uh, presented in the body. So when we're traumatized, it is a physiological response. And what they're finding in mainstream psychology is much more evidence-based uh, research into somatic trauma therapy. And so um, within the scientific community, that might be talked about just mainly on the physical level in terms of trauma being stored in the body and um, us being able to access that trauma and then release that emotion. Um, but then from a transpersonally oriented or spiritual perspective, uh, you can often see, you know, the energy and the emotion and how it all relates to what you were speaking to of, of different levels of healing, of transgenerational healing, transgenerational trauma. So um, people experience things in these settings that they may not have a biographical connection to. They may have memories that were biographical from their childhood or from their adulthood, but many things will be memories or feelings or sensations that feel like they don't have that biographical understanding. And those can be the more mystical experiences of connection or often with MDMA, a bigger trust. So with um, trauma therapy, one of the biggest challenges is people going into a state of hyperarousal or hypoarousal, not being able to work on the trauma because they're not connected to their bodies. So the MDMA, what we're finding is that it works with the fear center in the brain with the amygdala and helps turn down some of that fear so that people can still access those fearful memories but not be so overwhelmed by the emotions of them that they disconnect from themselves dissociate and then are not able to integrate because integration requires being in the body feeling the pro the process of the emotions and moving through those and so we've seen amazing uh results and really are finding that you know from these results of these studies that this is just this treatment has huge potential and is, um, can be a magnitude more effective than common treatments for PTSD, which really just address the symptoms and not really the root causes of trauma. Um, right. Really just kind of work on, okay, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, we're gonna help suppress that rather than let's get to the root of what's really causing your anxiety and depression and help you work through that. Yeah, and I know with me, when I first did MDMA, that's where I, like it saved me from suicide and it allowed me to really face like years of depression. And to me, it was like, wow, this is the first time I feel like I like connected to God my whole life. You know what I mean? And it took that experience, but my problem was I was doing it way too often. And like you were saying, it wasn't in that ceremonial state. And then it just like got that downward spiral. And so that's something that I'm working on doing with my work is to not have people be so codependent on psychedelics to get to those altered states. And so you were talking a lot about the breath work and things like that. And that's what I've been more hearing the call to do is to like teach people um, simple like Kundalini meditation techniques that they can do when they're not really on the substances because it doesn't work as well. And that's what we've noticed too in doing a lot of like shamanic breath work is that it just doesn't work well if you're like stoned or if you're drinking or if you're on some kind of substance because you need to allow these channels to go through. 
But I think the most interesting thing about teaching like Kundalini yoga at festivals is that I've had people come into my class that are on these substances. So there has to be this like deeper level of safety that I need to provide to make sure that as they're awakening these Kundalinis and having these energies rise, that they're safe because it can be like a very instant shock up the spinal cord. And so that's part of what I'm really working on with the safety and just being aware of that and knowing to, because it's, it's the same thing we do in Kundalini Yoga. You, you're not really supposed to interrupt someone with their experience, but then there's also that boundary of like, are they being safe and not? And so I think that's why a lot of people are kind of like, skeptical still in yoga communities about psychedelics is because they are powerful tools mm-hmm. and these tools are really what's helping us bring forth what's inside of us and so i think part of what we have to really work on too with the conversation is realizing that what you're looking for isn't outside of you and it's really allowing yourself to dive deep within and be comfortable going into that dark space like you were saying, like, I think that's been what's been such a huge shift in the spiritual communication lately is that it's not all butterflies and rainbows all the time. And that we need to be able to honor our shadows and honor the darkness in order to appreciate the light and to see the light. And so I think that's why there's like, it's, it's just all these like things that are so parallel to each other and like interrelated in that way of how we're having these conversations in this and this community, but we're also having it in this community and also having it in this community. And so I do feel there's like a deeper level of awareness that's really coming up right now um, in terms of psychedelics, in terms of healing, in terms of just life and how we as a society are really seeing these shifts and are really um, supporting one another. And I think we are becoming a little more empathetic too. And I know like I have a lot of younger cousins and they're all in high school and they like know way more about psychedelics than I did when I was that age. You know what I mean? So I do, I think that the education is important and not to have so much of that abstinence talk because again, they're going to happen. And so um, again, I just really appreciate like all of the safety and all of the true and honest conversations that you guys are having through maps and through Zendo Um, because we have to heal the stigma. If not, people that are going to continue to heal, they're going to still carry that fear, that extra layer you were talking about. And we're working on breaking through the glass ceilings and being like, you know, these were all old things that were so based on fear. And so all these limiting beliefs. And what happens is when you're on psychedelics, you're transcending your own limits sometimes. And we have to understand that there are no limits and that's where we have to really work on healing what's in our minds and to trust and to let go and to allow ourselves to just be present with not just the experience that we're having through psychedelics, but through life too. So um, I just, I don't know. I think it's what you guys are doing. It just like blows my mind all the time. Like I get so emotional just because again, when I was having my, it took me five years to finally come clean and talk about my experience and it's my prayer that people don't have to feel so ashamed for where they've been from what's arised from their from a difficult trip or, you know, whatever through these experiences, because this is all part of the journey and we have to learn to honor the process that we go through and to trust it in a way and know that these medicines are really here to help us awaken to our fullest and highest potential. 
And so that's part of the stigma that I feel like is healing because people are being a little more open and talking more about psychedelics. And I especially feel this like new wave of spiritual teachers coming in. So um, I just feel extremely blessed to be alive and seeing the work that you're doing. And I look forward to see when the work you do becomes legal and then we can start working with these vets um and not even just the vets but the wives too because the wives are getting a lot of the backlash and the trauma that um from their husbands or their partners and uh i think this is like a huge step for us to start really healing our our society and of course like you know there's been so many pioneers before this conversation that have like dedicated their whole lives to this work and I know I'm so eternally grateful for them and I'm always like saying so many blessings for them for you know listening to the work and I'm looking at this like Alex Gray painting you have behind you and just like <laughs> like I it's just it's it's just blowing my mind and I'm, I'm really I feel blessed to like be in a time where you know all this healing is really happening and there is support yeah. And it's nice to know that we aren't alone as we're going through these uh, this, this journey because it when you're going through that difficult experience, it can be one of the most challenging things, but the most rewarding thing I've ever experienced in my life, for sure. It's made me the person I am today. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I think that sometimes within the, even within the psychedelic community, I see sometimes a trend of, people using psychedelics and coming to these realizations and coming to their own healing through the use of these technologies. And then even sometimes getting to a point where they start to kind of badmouth psychedelics or say, oh, well, this isn't the only way and it isn't the only way. But I think that there can be sometimes a, a, that stigma can come up even within the psychedelic community. Um, and so with well, this thing called the psychedelic community, which what does that really mean? But <laughs> there's no separation. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that as you were speaking to the, the yoga community, which I'm also a part of, I think that there can be sort of a, well, I've reached these, these levels of my spiritual awareness and development, and I no longer need psychedelics. And then there can be maybe a lack of appreciation for how these substances have helped people get to the place where they are. Mm -hmm. So just to speak a little bit about that stigma, because I, I know what you're speaking to and how it exists. And I think that um, one of the things that's going to help us with the stigma is for us to be very mindful, conscious, aware, and talking about the risks, because we don't want to have these blanket statements. Um, we don't, with the research that's coming out, um, this doesn't, this isn't a reason for people to go and say, okay, well, I'm going to go use MDMA and it's going to be therapeutic and I'm going to use it in this context. And because that's not the case, um, a lot has to go in, in terms of intention and integration and integration was this other thing that you really spoke of, of it's really the work begins after, right? So it's relatively easy to take a substance or not even that to go out and have a peak experience, um, have an initiation experience, go to a Kundali, Kundalini retreat, go to a meditation retreat and have these huge opening experiences. And then the work really starts though, when we get back to the village and we get faced with all of our old relationships and our old patterns, we start to become aware of those choice points of, oh, okay, here's a place where I can react from that habitual response, or I can choose something based on what I've learned about myself. So um, even though the Zendo particularly focuses a lot on supporting people in the, the current 
um, state that they're having when they're on the substance, we also really want to be mindful and promote education around prevention, which is a lot of what DanceSafe does, um, education and, and prevention. Um, prevention meaning um, creating the environment where you can pr prevent not a difficult experience, but prevent that experience from getting even more difficult or out of hand. And then the integration. And integration is very key, especially if the experience has been very challenging right, like you experienced in, in your journey and um, that I've experienced in mine is that um, you can learn those things, but the, the real work begins when you start to apply that to your life um, within the community, within the village. And I think the thing we cannot compare our journey to someone else's too, mm -hmm. because we you know, like for me, it took almost five years, like I said, for me to finally speak up, but I took three, a three-year sabbatical for me for my deep healing. And so that's a huge part that we need to understand too, is that we're all on these different levels of our own journey and we're all getting these different things. And so we can't be comparing our journey to someone else's healing journey either. Mm -hmm. so that's part of like the staying in your own lane kind of thing and not beating yourself up and allowing yourself to be gentle. If you are having, if you did have a difficult experience and stuff is coming up and to know that it's safe for you to get help from a therapist, if you need it, it's safe for you to take some time for yourself. It's safe for you to be able to talk about it because that's, that's part of that shame that we push down too because sometimes we can be embarrassed for the way we were acting. Cause that was my, I, my inner child came out for the first time. So I was so embarrassed. It was like childlike and very like, it was very like erratic in that way. And so I carried a lot of shame about that and I felt like I disappointed a lot of people. But then it was like, this is my journey and the ones that, that mind don't matter and the ones that matter don't mind about yeah. how it takes for you to you for you to be able to integrate. And again, like you can have the flashbacks like this. Triggers can come up like this. And so it, it, it does take time depending on how deeply rooted that pain is. But what I'm really grateful about psychedelics is that you can literally have one experience and it's like years of trauma. I'm years of, of therapy if it's done in the right setting too, you know, and that's what I know for me, like there's, and that's what a lot of people are experiencing right now with ayahuasca. They're doing like years of trauma and years of, of healing in one session. And so it's like, we can't be denying that. But again, it's all about making sure that the set and the setting are in the right place. And that's something that I think are really important to focus on. Absolutely. It really does make everything. Because I know when I was when I took my LSD, I did it out of spite. And I was pissed off. And I was like, fine, I'm going to take it. Boom. And I took it. And then it just down, downward spiral. But that was the lesson I needed to learn, you know? Yes. So yeah. that's the other thing. I think we have to understand that anything that we're going through, there are lessons to be learned. And when we allow ourselves to be like, okay, what's the lesson from this? It makes it a lot easier to deal with. Yes, absolutely. And even though we can't be comparing our experience to others, as you were speaking to, it's really important for us to share with, within the context that feels safe for our, ourselves, um, to share our experiences, because then that helps people when they're struggling with, okay, this thing happened. It's helpful for people to hear those reflections, experiences of others that have had those similar experiences, because that makes them feel more safe and more understood and not like they're all alone. It's the empathy. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to have you on there. Is there any last thing you would like to say or any last words of advice or any tips or? 
Yeah. So um, just to kind of put it out there about our Zendo trainings um, and volunteering with us, because this is something that people are often interested in when they hear an interview or a podcast is how, how do I get involved? And so if you go on our website, zendoproject.org, um, it has information on how you can get involved as a volunteer, how can you, you can get involved as a supporter in other ways. And um, we provide trainings. We provide trainings at the festivals that we do. And we also offer a lot of our training resources online for free. So you can find that on our website under the education tab. And um, if people are finding, you know, after looking at our educational videos, um, that they want more in-depth training, and more experience, say you're wanting to do something similar like this in your community, wanting to, uh, wherever you are, whatever country you're at, um, if you're wanting to create something similar, uh, we do advanced trainings for people and are working toward um, eventual certification trainings for people who want to learn really how to actually implement these services at festivals and actually create similar things in their, in their local places. So, um, you know, the Zendo goes to a handful of festivals a year, um, but we're a small organization and a lot of our goal is really spreading out that education so that people can learn these skills and then apply them. And so those are some ways that you can get involved. Um, and we have one more festival this year, which is, um, actually we have two more, um, but we have LIB and the application process for that is, is currently closed. But we also have Burning Man, which is coming up. And so if you're interested in applying, um, there's a volunteer tab on our website that you can check out to volunteer with us there. Thank you, Sarah. I'm so grateful for you and the work you're doing. And I'm really interested to see how many more therapists come up, you know, that are willing to do the work that you're doing, because I do see there's a shift in therapy happening too. So mm -hmm. I love what you're doing. And I love that we're connecting with nature and that we're able to have tools to help create the education. And if you're ever at a festival and you see someone that needs help, please be there for your brother or your sister, because we're all doing the best that we can. And we're in this together when we're at these, we're gathering as family when we go to these events. So if you see someone that needs water, you see someone that's cold, you see someone that like might need a hug or just someone to sit with, like, please allow yourself if you're feeling okay to, because it's very important to make sure that your self care is taken care of first. Like, please don't be afraid to help someone out because you could be really helping someone who doesn't know how to express the needs that they really need. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, we say um, at Zendo that we're helping to create and co-create a culture of compassionate care. So we look forward to building community and um, we're always looking for more people to, to connect with and to help build this community of compassionate care so that we can really um, shift the, the culture into one of acceptance and being able to be present and uh, accepting of our brothers and sisters and of ourselves <laughs> so that we can then be in that space of, of, um, of present centeredness and grounded uh, when someone is having a challenging experience. Cause it can be really easy to lose that centered grounded place and that place of presence, especially if whatever's coming up from that, from that person in their experiences, fear, and I think that a lot of the old modalities of working with 
people who are having challenging experiences, such as sedation, arrest, hospitalization, are not in, based in malice, they're based in lack of understanding. So a lot of what the Zendo is doing is providing education right now too for other emergency service professionals like law enforcement, security, and medical to help share these tools with them um, because we find that obviously knowledge is power and I think that that goes a long way in a, a lot of these people really do want to help, they just don't know how um, because psychedelics are so stigmatized and because the education has been so stunted and uh, suppressed because of that stigma. So. Um, so we're really trying to change that culture uh, from, from within and not have an adversarial relationship of, oh, these people over here are doing it wrong and we're here doing it right, but share what has worked for us and what we've seen with these, with these other ways as, as a way to help um, transform that old way of doing things into a more compassionate way of attending. Because we're all community. All the service people there are all part of the community. We're all in yep. this together. Exactly. So thanks for healing stigmas with me and helping bridge a new paradigm because I do see that it's only going to continue to excel and deepen in, in wisdom because while knowledge is power, wisdom is even more powerful. And so thank you, Sarah, for being here. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll be seeing you next time. Sat Nam, take care. Sat Nam, thank you. Thanks.